Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. Listen, my guest for this week pulled out. I did have enough time to find another one, but it's been a minute since I did a solo show. Um, I just thought I'd do a solo podcast this week. I kind of put myself through what I've been putting my guests through in that look at a recent event. Um, I don't know why, it just sounded fun and also... Uh, let me know if you like it. Let me know if it goes well. I really appreciate you all. Thanks very much. And uh, let's get into it. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, thanks very much. My name's Peter Howard, at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm a senior writer for DLF. I do like putting all my plugs out as often as possible. So if you just bear with me a second... Uh, and do some plugs. Hey, yeah, I've got a senior writer over there at DLF where I'm publishing two weekly articles. One looking at season-long trends to ident- trying to identify the top 12 players at the wide receiver position before they actually happen. In fact, we established a list pretty early on in the season. And we're trying to see how many survive from those early expectations um, by week three. Uh, just to try and learn not only about moves we can make in Dynasty this year but also what we can learn about volume and what we can learn about how much we know or the other one's really a regression article looking at players over and under produced on a weekly basis uh, seems remarkably easy to project those that are going to regress on a week-to-week basis even when you've got some serious names we were highlighting Ezekiel Elliott by week three at least uh, as a player who no longer had the volume role that he'd previously had in other seasons and um, I also do seasonal but now weekly projections which you can find on my patreon and also in the dlf discord because i ended up uh, i do a weekly podcast called the dynasty crossroads you might have heard of it you might might have heard of it um and i've got a youtube channel where in season i'm really only able to make one video a week i've been trying to make it more action orientated rather than just a 10 minute podcast and with one specific issue and some concrete go try and do these things on these players uh, I'm going to stop you right there, Mr. Plugs, to be honest with you, because I'm, I'm actually sick of saying all the things that I do and the places that you can find them. Really, you can just find me on Twitter, okay, at PA Howdy. And if you're here, you already know that. And, and Okay, I guess I need a subject. Right, the only thing that really comes to mind is something that's a bit old, especially since this is post-Sunday games, so we know what the second game looks like but the big event I think one of the biggest events we've seen recently is CMC being traded to San Francisco made a video and it even clipped a bit and put it on TikTok why not no one watched it don't worry um if you want to see what I was saying before we knew even what the first game would look like so this isn't hindsight is 2020 um and we're going to try to break into what that process was and what we can learn from it about uh other situations or what I to try to decode current events instead of knowing the past as we tend to do in the off season. So the CMC trade struck me as positive. I said trade for CMC if at all possible. I didn't think his value was going to dip. So unless you're a team who cares about points a lot right now, like you're already going into the playoffs at least, then CMC was a sell or hold or had nothing to do with you because he's a running back and running backs are specifically about points. What, what do I mean by that? Um, I really don't want to roster running backs that have value, really good value, like four out of, even four out of 12 of your league mates would be interested in trading for them unless I'm in a winning position. And that's mainly because most running backs score most of their fantasy points 
very early on in their career. In fact, um, the average age of the top 12 running backs is around 23 or 24 years old, whereas at wide receiver, it's really 26 and 27. And you can exploit those on a year-to-year basis by trying to have older wide receivers or build into older wide receivers and younger running backs. And when you see you're in a competitive year where you're actively winning, you're into the playoffs, you can throw in for points as much as you want. So hopefully you've built your balance squad with value and points and you can start leaning pretty heavily on points as you try and win the leagues. The opportunity to win is rarer than I think most people, including myself, will really recognize. Especially in Dynasty, when we get mega brains and start thinking in three-year value year windows, and we tend to think more about the value than the points sometimes. Having said that, though, having said that, though, um, having gotten more involved in the DLF Discord, not just my own Discord, and trying to get involved in more spaces over the last few weeks. Honestly, it's been very recent in terms of answering questions that aren't directed at me because I'm not a big engagement seeker. Not farmer. I think that's been turned into a negative term, and I think it's actually a good thing. I appreciate the hustle of others who, quote-unquote, make it in this space. I really do, um, of trying to get engagement. But I'm not really all about that life, not just not because I don't want to be, you know, something, but because I'm not that. I I don't think I'll survive if I try and be something I'm not, some successful content creator. Instead, I'm just a fantasy football player who wants to get better, who collects a lot of data, really enjoys engaging in co- random conversations about fantasy football 24 hours a day, seven days a week, wants to help other people while get access to information or maybe learn something that I've already learned um, or done work on at least to help them along making their own decisions, developing their own process. Like that's what I'm about. So I'm doing similar things, but it's more about reaching out to find other groups of people having conversations I'm not necessarily having. They have questions I don't necessarily have, and I find that interesting, and it also gives me a better insight into how to play Dynasty, because I'm not just playing with people I know very well, and I also like to add leagues, and so if you just stay inside your own bubble, you own, you start to only think fantasy works one way, um, at, at the very extreme, and so I've been trying to engage in more areas where I typically don't, not uh, for those reasons. Um, and one of the things I've noticed is I have always, over the last couple of years, realized I'm much more invested in points. It's something we talked about with Mad Jester. You mentioned points. And I don't think I'm the only one who does that because I know a lot of very successful Dynasty players um, that we've had on this podcast, actually, that are heavily invested in trying to win pretty much constantly, which is kind of where I'm at. But even those players, and even myself, pale in comparison to the vast majority of people I'm finding in spaces that aren't within my little nerd bubble of friends I play Dynasty football with already, or people that use, you know, long-established or even recently established trends and, and metrics to try and gain an advantage um, in fantasy football. Um, and they're much more how to win right now than I would have imagined. Um, an example would be they're asking questions about how to become playoff contenders. Now, in my head, and I think in most of my leagues, the people I play with and the people I'm normally speaking with already know that if you're not solidly a playoff contender pretty early on in the season, then you're not just seeking value, 
but you're definitely not trying to burn value at all. You'll never burn value at all for points unless you just try to invert what you're doing because your league's going the opposite way. So uh, actually, I made that last sentence too confusing. So let me rephrase that, host. Sure, guest. Um, Sometimes in your league, everyone's pushing for the rookie draft, and that's what's going on in a lot of my leagues right now. Everyone wants 23 picks. Everyone wants value in other words and as Zach Reedland Dynasty Grind and this podcast a couple of episodes again pointed out in those situations you can flip your fate as it were if everyone wants value that means even though you're not a contender you can go all out to try and win and zig while they zag so it is always possible that that situation arises but mostly I find very broadly in the leagues that I'm in most people are playing it they're like me they're playing it cagey unless they think they're strong contenders they're going to make very few only this year bets um and so they don't really have the questions do i trade for this temporary starting running back instead if they have a temporary starting running back they are much more likely to be trying to trade them for a second round pick or use them as that value in another trade to go get another wide receiver that they think is long term in within the first three years of their career and gonna finish inside the top 24 multiple times and um, because that's just where their default is and a lot of the spaces i'm getting into are much more it feels like i'm back in redraft which is kind of where i started and they're thinking about streamers they're thinking about how do i get my running back two fots spilled over the filled or spilled over the next few weeks um and so even though I think of myself as further along that points per game scale than most, actually that's just a my little bubble problem. I think the vast majority of dynasty players, which are a very small minority of the vast majority of fantasy players, are much more points per game heavy than we typically give them credit for when we're thinking about ADP and when we're thinking about um, keep trade cut or any of those value systems where they're getting involved and they're on Twitter and they're in the conversations as well and the DLF Discord, the DLF forum and other places I've been trying to venture in. So what was the question? <laughs> CMC. Um, so I think more people would have been more interested in CMC than I typically believe should be. And this actually brings up something that I've been seeing here and there for a while and normally just find it funny. But it struck me recently how funny it is that a lot of people will criticize someone like me that says trade a player when they're doing well or trade running backs unless you need the points. Everything I just said. Because that we're what's wrong with Dynasty. That's literally something someone said to me recently on Twitter. Um, and it's fun. It's great. You can say what you like to me on Twitter. I have... I, don't have thick skin i have very thin skin but the thing is everything you say goes right to my core and then i get to compare it next to the things i say about myself and basically anything you say to me is going to be a compliment versus that that's my superpower i don't have thick skin it's just i am much worse on myself than anyone on twitter has ever tried to be so it's actually kind of kind of impervious for opposite reasons that's the way i think of it anyway i wasn't asking you about your personal life I was asking you about CMC. That's right, you were. Okay, so where was I? Um, a lot of the stuff I see, and I think is probably in more of those spaces where I typically haven't spent a lot of time, somewhere more eyeballs are on the feeling or the thought that what is wrong with Dynasty or the counterintuitive nature of going for value over points is stupid and you shouldn't play like that 
But the thing is, I think that's because that conforms to some of the majority way of people playing Dynasty. Again, when I find the majority group, they are much more like Redraft than I would have thought until I started to venture into spaces where there's more Dynasty players than just the ones that happen across my Twitter feed. And typically, um, honestly, I'll put it simply and, you know, as Twitter-esque as I can, trying to sound big and tough, even though none of it's meant seriously, I think there are big, famous, or relative to us famous, content creators who say that stuff. Like, what's wrong with Dynasty is that everyone wants to sell a player the minute he has a good game and they don't like winning. But the thing is, if that's what the majority or the major or the most common fantasy creators might say somewhere i'm not i don't i don't know who's saying it but it seems to be pretty common when i go and find bigger audiences than are ever in my realm um a common pattern of thought but the thing is if that's what more people are saying then it's not what's wrong with dynasty it's not what most dynasty players do in fact what most dynasty players do as try to play it much more like redraft than I would have even given credit for. And that's why the people in my little bubble who are a much smaller corner of a much smaller corner uh, of the fantasy space in the dynasty arena uh, are always talking about value. It's because value and points are actually both equally important to successfully play in dynasty for multiple years, especially if you want to keep a league going and it's more about having fun playing fantasy year on over year with your league mates than playing a league until five people quit and you don't know anyone in there anymore and the league falls apart. Like, I, I like the first experience. The second one happens, but it's sad. And I, I'd much rather keep the first state of affairs going. So I actually think that that's not what's wrong with Dynasty. I think there's a relatively small percentage of us, and that's why a lot of content creators that I know and that we see are always talking about trading good players when they have good games, because the common, the majority thought, the majority advice is, yes, this guy is good now, go get him, trade value for that player. Which is right, because points matter and winning is what's ultimately important. And I do think we should always try to push an advantage to win. But it's that clause that I think is missing from some of the people that might say, you're what's wrong with Dynasty and you don't like to win and you just don't like good players. Just trade for picks and never have any players. And I think it's that clause that they're missing. If you're not already in a pretty good setup to win, then all you're going to do is spend value on that player, then not win. And if you do that for a running back, that running back is more likely to lose value in the offseason. He's more likely to get hurt. He's more likely to get added competition in the draft that radically affects him over the next year, let alone over the next two years, because running backs produce more of their points earlier in the season. So if you're investing into a running back, there are simply more risks when Dynasty is meant to at least be a two-year affair, thinking about what's going to happen next year or this offseason um, relative to right now actually affects me because I don't have a draft to build my team. And so it's that clause right there. If you're not already playoff bound, CMC really shouldn't feature on your radar unless, because Dynasty is all things at all times, it's part of why I love it, there's always an opportunity to go the exact opposite direction. If in your league, everyone now thinks CMC isn't good and they're worried, or the guy rostering or the girl rostering him in your league is now worried and you can get a really good trade on him, if CMC could have been traded to you 
for a single 23 first. Now, that's really valuable right now. But it was because that person was worried about the move to San Francisco. So you're not in contention for the playoffs. You trade for CMC. And this week, we actually know the answer now than when I first did the research and made the video on this. He goes off like CMC can in an offense which actually has two more attempts per game and goes to the red zone twice as often as Carolina. That's some of the stuff I was throwing and why it's a positive move for Christian McCaffrey. There's simply more opportunity and more valuable opportunity. And any concern over his target share is essentially fictional because targets move to players or the majority factor in where why targets go anywhere is because of the player more than because of the scheme or the team or the quarterback. Cam Newton doesn't throw the running backs was false. Jimmy G won't throw to CMC was definitely going to be a lie. San Francisco doesn't target running backs at a heavy rate. None of them had above a 5% target share this year or last year, frankly, was also bound to be, if not entirely a lie, definitely on the low end of outcomes for Christian McCaffrey healthy in that offense because targets move to players, or at least they are the superior factor in why targets move everywhere it's not it's not just one thing this player is good so they just get targets but since we live in a world where vacated targets are sold actively in that majority world of fantasy football as if they are a real thing you can track and get advantage of then just saying literally it's just a player is actually the only way to bring them even to the medium of where you can actually start to make good decisions about how volume moves but that's an aside so you could make that move even if you're not necessarily thinking of yourself as a finalist this year by week eight, as it is right now. But seems, but you feel, but you feel pretty confident Christian McCaffrey's going to do well. And then the first week he gets like ten points, I think it was, as he acclimates to the offense, which is just a kind of an understandable. Let's get him involved. But he was literally traded to the team two days ago, and then this week he passes for a touchdown, rushes for a touchdown, and catches a touchdown. That's that's pretty special. I actually haven't checked out this week's stats yet, but that's my memory of it. I know he had a lot of points in the Scott Fishbowl, over forty, in fact. Um, and now you have this league-winning running back who's back on a more productive offense, getting to the red zone more often that you might be able to flip for better value. Now, the thing about doing that trade this year would mean that getting your 2023 first back is probably unlikely because whoever just sold you Christian McCaffrey was probably doing it in a, I'm not sure, so I guess I'll just sell this season. Um, instead of trying to get to the playoffs, get rid of this older running back who could score points. They're probably less likely to trade a first now, and suddenly you've got this, running back that makes you more likely to be playoff bound but the rest of your roster is still struggling in this imaginary circumstance what you can then do is go see who is competitive and say hey i took the risk for two weeks you don't have to say this but this is essentially what you've done i took the risk on cmc and now you've gotten to see how it plays out for two weeks and it looks pretty good how about you give me something that's worth more than a first? How about C.D. Lamb and a second in 2023 if you can't get that first pick or you don't want their first round pick because that essentially would have been trading for a lower first round pick. There's a million different ways to go on it. But there is always that opportunity to try to take advantage of a situation where you think you do know what's going to happen in the near future so that you can try and profit in the long future. 
Now, the reason I never say that on my videos or in my content is because I try to make content based on the things that I would do. So I wouldn't make that move because I'm not confident I will trade for Chris. I was very confident Christian McCaffrey was going to do well in San Francisco. And right now he should probably be, you know, more interesting to more teams after seeing last this week's game. If they're competitive, at least. But I'm not confident I'm going to be able to turn around and get a better trade. I'm not confident I'm going to be able to convince the teams that are winning or competitive to trade for him. And that's not because my league mates suck or they don't trade. It's just I don't feel like I'm a strong enough trader to put that much value in the pot if I'm not winning um, of points right now in order to get that flip. So you can still go that direction. And maybe your team wasn't great because you could think of an entirely different scenario where your team was okay. Now you've got Christian McCaffrey. Now it's great. So instead of trying to sell him to one of those top three teams, now you just have Christian McCaffrey and you're making a playoff run. And again, that goes back to what Zach has said, where you can always zig when the league is zagging. If no one else was trading for Christian McCaffrey and that person was concerned, that probably means not enough people in your league are actively trying to win because that was a great opportunity where there might have been uncertainty for their owner. You found it, they didn't. That probably means you're the most active member looking to take advantage of a points per game trade. I feel like we've you've said a lot and not really said anything. So let me let me back you up. Um I've heard you say um recently and consistently and over the off season that this is a bad year for Dynasty. Is that because Christian McCaffrey, you know, uh, was a slightly older running back? Or is it because the wide receivers that you liked aren't scoring or C.D. Lamb isn't top 12 wide receiver right now? What is it? That's an excellent question. It's almost like it's directly out of my own head. Uh, Thanks very much for setting me up like that. Uh, Given that we're past the 20-minute mark and I'm aware I'm spiraling towards the 30-minute mark at an extraordinary rate. Um... Yeah, essentially it's a bad year for Dynasty right now because the producers at running back are older. So, like I was saying, I'm trying to build into a place where I have value so I can go up or down depending on how my season's going and that I know I still have or can still build a pretty good team if everything goes wrong for me this year without a redraft. Um, But those old wide receivers and young running backs aren't really working out this year. And this really bore out in the data. For example, last year, we had one of the oldest top 12 running back groups that we have seen since 2018, for example. And the top 12 running backs, or the average age of the top 12 running backs was 25 years old. The average age um, of the top 12 running backs this year is also 25 years old. Now, based on the draft capital spent and the production trends of those young running backs, while I was interested in Jonathan Taylor and I did have a lot of hope for Travis Etienne, who, you know, went up against one of my own drafted free agents and that was conflicting for me, I didn't see an era of running backs that was really going to transform the the points per game output of the running back position that we have seen successively. At running back, we tend to think in these three-year windows, where instead, if you're looking for trends, we tend to apply them to the player. Players produce at 27. Ooh, which player is 27 years old? Instead, I find a better way of tracking what's more likely to happen is to zoom out and look at NFL trends. I don't know where all the signal's coming from, but I do know that there are cyclical patterns. So the reason we haven't had a, a career year five top 12 running back since whenever, whenever, four years ago is because that's when the new running backs came in. 
So we should expect to see older running backs producing right now, which means a traditional dynasty build with the risk entailed in running backs is actually not going to work. Because old running backs and old wide receivers are the ones that are scoring points right now. The average age of the top 12 wide receiver this year is 26 years old. Last year it was slightly older actually, it was 26.7. We do have the C.D. Lambs, the Justin Jeffersons, and this year the Chris Alaves decreasing the age of top 12 producers this year and yet the 2022 class again based on that 10-year cyclical trend not the three-year window we tried to apply to career arcs for individual players but the 10-year trend of nfl production suggested we weren't going to see many breakouts this year and while it failed in many regards in all regards in fact the running backs that look like the most likely breakouts to me outside of rookies and outside of deandre swift and, and the running backs have already been drafted in the first two rounds in Dynasty were Clyde Edwards Lair, AJ Dillon, and um, who else was there? It, it was these eight older backs, not old, but they've been career backups or career second fiddles or disappointing first rounders, late first rounders in Clyde Edwards Lair. And they weren't the type of studs that I thought looked like the group that should decrease the age of the top 12 position and be Dynasty studs for the next three years. And this goes to how we overrate the age advantage of running back. Running backs tend to play shorter careers and have shorter value windows in terms of when their production is coming than wide receiver. But the edge between wide receiver and running back is actually relatively small. They play a similar number of years and have a similar number of productive seasons that are more hampered by injuries. But again... The injury rate at running back is higher, but not so high that you should expect six great running backs to be injured and only two wide receivers. Instead, it's more like for every six running backs injured, you'll get four wide receivers over a similar time span. The edge is at running back, but it's not so drastic that running back doesn't keep producing into the second part of their career and also that they don't, or that they're always injured. So, um, and I think that's, again, partly why pe people apply career arcs to players instead of thinking about career arcs instead of NFL production. The reason the top 12 average age of running backs right now is elevated is because the best running backs in the NFL are slightly older. It's not because you're 23 years old, you've just been drafted, so you're going to get the job. It's because the running backs the NFL are using right now have been doing it a minute. Now, Jonathan Taylor, despite the injuries this year, is still good. Brees Hall was definitely going to break out into the top 12 this year and help that average age of the top 12 producers. But we weren't going to get, on average, we have four top 12 producers in at the running back position break out into the top 12 on a year-to-year -year basis. Last year here, we had two. This year, it was looking like one. We're not seeing an era of new running backs come into the league to take over the position. What we're seeing is the running backs who are good in the NFL continuing their career. It's Saquon Barkley. It's Christian McCaffrey. Frankly, it's Derek Henry, despite his points per game disadvantage. It's Alvin Kamara. And to a greater extent, Leonard Fournette is still on the field. Ezekiel Elliott looks done. But that's one in a sea of older players that were at, that actually discounted this offseason because of how we're typically used to building in dynasty so it looked like a bad year for dynasty because if you want to win which we all should want to do you have to trade into older running backs josh jacobs being the golden ticket this offseason but 
everything in terms of trying to survive and play well for multiple years in Dynasty says there is more risk involved in that that's trying to predict a trend based on a 10-year arc for an individual season and trying to dig down through that to the one or two, three players at running back that actually pay off. And even if you get there, if the rest of your squad isn't doing well because you rostered Jamar Chase and he's got injured, you rostered DK Metcalf and he gets injured twice, although apparently he miraculously healed this week, by the way. All of my content seen DK Metcalf was now injured. It was correct. Except the fact it was incorrect because apparently now he's miraculously healed, by the way. But anyway, where was I? And um, it put all that risk and burnt all that value unless you won. And now winning is the goal, but burning your squad's value to the ground on the basis of getting this prediction right would just be reckless. A way to not to try to play Dynasty consistently in a way that you're trying to stay in the league for several... You're actually trying to play in a league, not just win a league and then leave if everything falls apart. Which is a perfectly fine way to play if you want to play that way as well. So that's why I was saying it was a bad dynasty year. It looked like we're going to get less breakouts in general. The players that were better bets were always going to be older. Even if I got who they were wrong, which I did at the running back position. I think it's just clear I did. Um, Then we were still going to see, even if I got them right, should I say, um, I was still taking the risk. It's like Josh Jacobs right now is of no interest to anyone that doesn't think they're going to the playoffs. Even in those more aggressive general leagues that I'm trying to get involved in the conversation with. Like no one wants Josh Jacobs. Even though he could get another contract, even if they didn't give them. Even though he should get another job and continue his career because players don't turn 26 and stop being good. If he's one of the good running backs and he gets a job, he can keep being good. Running backs age 27 do produce top 12 running back seasons. Not everyone inside the top 5 or the top 12 is 23 or 24. That's the average age. So we try to build towards the average because we can't predict individual events and it's difficult to predict the future and we do good to predict half of what's going to happen in a season, let alone 80% of what's going to happen for an individual player. Um, And all that being said, even though I could see, I felt like I could see what's coming, and a lot of it is coming true in 2022, the exploit of it was terrible because the places that I could find to take advantage of would have burnt value down and put anyone who followed my advice at strong risk of putting themselves in a strong rebuild very, very soon. Now, that would be fine if it wasn't also... The 2023 class, when this seems to be one of the draft classes that the Devi community is telling us that we can build a squad around. Whether it is or not, we will see. But the Devi community is increasingly sharp and increasingly vocal about when is a good class. And the last time they were anywhere this persistent was 2021, and it's worked out really well. So I think we should start to trust just that noise, if nothing else, that this is probably a good class coming. But if you've gone all in for this season following the trends that were telling you go for older running backs and older wide receivers and burn that value down to try and win, then you can't start rebuilding because no one is interested in selling you those picks. And that was a that was a year ago that was this off season and you can't get part way into the season and think oh i've made my the wrong bet on these older players because they're older players who apparently aren't scoring points that's why you don't think you're winning anymore and people are less inclined to trade your draft picks and i think 
putting anyone in that situation just because I felt pretty confident about what was coming in terms of the career arcs of where players should be producing and how many breakouts should be occurring this year, especially since I feel like I got all this right. And like I literally just listed, I got all those running backs wrong. Clyde edwards Lair is actually in the top 12 for overall points. I'm just going to say that. AJ Dillon had the volume, you know, I'm just saying. And, and DeAndre Swift got injured okay it's not like there aren't excuses but that's again that just emphasizes the point even if some of those are right or could have been said to have been right the position itself carries more of that kind of variance and so yeah man I just felt like this was a bad year to dynasty because the best advice I could give was bad dynasty advice in general and if we get our picks wrong even if we get the idea right or the trends right would have put more squads into a terrible situation by now if they weren't winning. And so it was kind of a hold year. Now, again, the counterfactual, if you like, was what Zach Reed, or I'm calling Zach Reed, but a lot of Dynasty players would have told you, which is lean in, try to win more this year. And that is open because people are more willing to sell because of the 23 class and because the people that are producing right now are older. There are ways of taking advantage of that. But this year, trying to find smart ways of increasing your points per game while getting value or maintaining value is more tricky than it was last year or it is most years. And we should be pulling out of that by next year. I expect the the age of top 12 running backs to come down next year. Javante Williams is going to get healthy. We're going to get a lot of good rookies, apparently. Many of them at the running back position. And so that should put us back to where general dynasty play that, you know, tries to maintain a squad over a few years instead of just trying to build a stud squad over one year and will, again, work better, at least, next year and over the following few years. And hopefully, you didn't burn your squad down trying to make bets on who the older players were going to produce purely on that and this offseason. Or, if you did, that you got Josh Jacobs and you got Alvin Kamara and you got uh, uh, Devontae Adams... Um, and Cooper Cup like that that's okay too and Travis Kelsey of course that's okay too um all right I think I understand that blather of nonsense you just said honestly I don't think I've learned anything I don't think people will really uh, be interested in anything you have to say but I really appreciate you wasting our time for the last 30 minutes uh no seriously guys I don't know if that is helpful but I really think that that's what I thought of the CMC trade. And that's how I break down running back and wide receiver and what I've been trying to say about what's going on right now and why sometimes you can play well in Dynasty and it just not work out. And sometimes you can play badly and it work out very well. And all of that is okay. But if you want to move yourself closer to getting more right more often, unfortunately, sometimes the best thing that I know is there's, there's a lack of great moves to make. Anyway, um, also please check out my YouTube video this week. I actually threw a lot of stuff about wide receivers that I do think you can trade for right now in a way that you can increase your points per game and maintain value because there are a few players that I think Dynasty might be slightly undervaluing because of the trends we're talking about for 2022 right now. Um, And also, it'd just be nice to have more of you over there because I know I'm not a great YouTuber or anything like that. But I do like making those videos, and it's another fun place to continue talking 
about Dynasty and trying to get better. So, yeah, anyway, um, really appreciate it, everyone. Um, as always, uh, thanks again. Next week, I have another guest. They're going to be lit. They're going to be much better than me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll see you next week. Thanks very much. Bye. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.